Good afternoon and welcome to all. We're gathered here for the solemn and joyful occasion of the ordination of Justin Sherritt to the Holy Office of the Ministry. More specifically, he is being ordained and installed as the assistant pastor here at Westminster Presbyterian Church for the sake of providing pastoral care to our mission church in Ulster County, known as Christ Church of the Hudson Valley. Now, in being assembled here, you have, whether you know it or not, become participants in an ongoing meeting of the New York State Presbytery, of the Presbyterian Church in America. The Presbytery is doing its business tonight through a commission that it appointed to ordain and install Justin. The commission consists of Ruling Elder Mark Dobson of Affirmation Presbyterian Church, Ruling Elder Mike Bonagora of Westminster, Ruling Elder Robert David, also of Westminster, Teaching Elder Cody Gibson, who's the chair of the Presbytery Leadership Committee, Teaching Elder Bill Spanger from Affirmation Presbyterian Church, and myself, Kevin Sherritt, Teaching Elder here at Westminster, and I want to thank these brothers for their service, for their support, for their encouragement and guidance in making this evening possible. One logistical note here before we begin. After the service, there will not be a receiving line at the door. Justin and Julia will greet you downstairs at the entrance to the fellowship hall, where we will proceed to enjoy the reception that has been so bountifully and lovingly prepared for us by the some of the women at Westminster and Christ Church, and we're most grateful for their hospitality. Now, as is fitting, we conduct this holy business in a service of public worship. So let us continue this meeting of the New York State Presbytery by rising and worshiping God. Please stand. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Our opening hymn is number 469.
and standing. Let us pray. Almighty God, before whom all hearts are open and all desires known and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit that we may fully love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us extend a sign of Christ's reconciling peace to our neighbors. Please be seated. We'll continue to worship. We will be taking an offering now. The offering will go for the work of the New York State Presbytery. Let us give freely as we freely receive. Thanks to the Lord our God. Father in heaven, we rejoice to give you thanks. Indeed, it is fitting for us who come forth from your hand by your word, by your love, by your power, who are sustained by your goodness, O God. For you are nearer to us than we are to ourselves. We thank you for your providence. We thank you for your faithfulness to your promises. We thank you that in the fullness of time you have sent forth your son, born of a woman, born under the law, and that that ascended son sends forth his spirit and gives gifts 
officers to furnish his holy church. O Lord, we thank you for the means of grace and the hope of glory. And for these gifts, O Lord, we pray that you would use them for the expansion and prosperity of your holy kingdom. And hear us as we pray the prayer Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Please be seated. As we approach the ministry of God's holy word, let us pray. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Our New Testament reading this afternoon is uh, from the book of Exodus, chapter 4, which you can find, find on page 47 in the few Bibles. Hear now the word of the true and living God. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is it that is in your hand? He said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put it out of his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, Put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous, like snow. Then God said, Put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on dry ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. 
And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. And will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people. And he shall be your mouth. And you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. This is the word of the Lord. The New Testament lesson is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 through 12. Hear now the word of the Lord. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Here ends the New Testament lesson. Please stand now for, for the Gloria Patri. returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you and... On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, greetings to you this afternoon. I bring greetings, formal greetings on this great day, a day in which I'm truly honored to be able to stand before you and 
to preach on this day in which Justin's being ordained. I bring greetings from Affirmation Presbyterian. I also bring greetings and congratulations from Chapelfield Christian Schools. I have to say, just looking out here at this group and knowing the different faces, at least many and most of you, I have to tell you, over the past couple months, I've felt such encouragement uh, over the nature of the Christian community that I'm part of and that you're part of, particularly this Presbyterian and Reformed community of which we're a part. I think of the places that Justin has ministered, and there are representatives of all of them here, of course, Westminster and Christ Church, Affirmation and Chapelfield Christian Schools, but also Hudson Valley URC, Coldenham Presbyterian, Goodwill Presbyterian. Uh, it's just a, it's a beautiful uh, assembly of Reformed Presbyterian Christian brothers and sisters, and I have to say it's a tremendous thing, and we ought to uh, pray that the Lord continue to build this community for his glory and for the sake of the gospel ministry in the Hudson Valley. This is an exciting day for many levels, but for me, one reason is I've known Justin since he was a kid. He's still a kid, you know, but, uh, but I knew him as a student. You know, I was one of his teachers, and uh, I, I like to say that I saw the potential uh, there in Justin. I, I particularly remember one day giving a test, and, and uh, I looked back, and other students were finishing their test. Justin had not only finished it, but he had flipped it over. He flipped it over quite early, in fact. And, and he was just writing away, and I, I'm thinking to myself, oh, yes, yes, I know his father. This is a great mind. Uh, he's, he's writing a tremendous essay here on the back of this test. Excited to see how he did at the end. And as everyone's turning it back in, I, he hands his in to me, uh, to me, and I said, Justin, how did you do? And it was, uh, fine, but he turns his paper over, and he said, but I've worked out the starting lineups on the past 10 World Series champions. And on the back of this paper were 10 baseball diamonds with the starters in every position and beside them the, uh, the batting lineups for, these, for the past 10 World Series champions. So I, we didn't have texting back then, but if I did, I would have texted Kevin quickly and said, I don't know what we can do with this young man. But I've known Justin as a student, and it is exciting to have him now as a colleague uh, at Chapel Field, to have him teaching with us. He's been a colleague with me also at our study center at Dwarkill, um, and now to be a fellow minister in the PCA and in our presbytery is a tremendous uh, thing, and very excited about it. Of course, I'm very thankful as well for the entire Sherrod family, for Julia and for the kids, and for mom and dad. Uh, today is a day that, uh, that we enjoy and rejoice in the fruit of faithfulness. Uh, the faithfulness of godly parents, the faithfulness of a church community uh, that is, is bearing itself here in the ordination of, of Justin. So it's a wonderful day. I just want to take a couple minutes for us on this great and glorious day to contemplate what is happening here. What is happening in this ordination that Justin is undergoing? And to do so, I've taken Paul's words, read by Robert today, from Ephesians chapter 3. Paul discusses his own ordination, if you will, his own calling, and it's worth considering his words as we think what is happening to Justin today. And this is what he says in verse 7, the verse that Robert began with. Of this gospel, Paul says, I was made a minister 
according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. I was given this gospel and made a minister by the gift of God's grace. What we will see displayed here today with the physical laying on of hands is Justin receiving a gift of the grace of God bestowed upon him through his agents, his ministers within the New York State Presbyterian. I want us to consider why this is a gift of grace. What is happening that Justin's ordination and our ordinations are in fact gifts of grace? So I want us to think about it in three ways. And first, this is a gift of grace because of the nature of the one giving it. We will all lay our hands on Justin today, but it will not be us giving the gift of ministry and the gospel of grace to Justin today. It will be God himself. And the God that will bestow this gift on Justin today is the all-sufficient God. He is the God that does not need Justin. He's the God that doesn't need Pastor Kevin or any of you. He is the all-sufficient God before whose presence we, in some sense, are superfluous. Our ministries are superfluous. We bring nothing to the table except what he gives us. And I think that's important for us to remember today. This is what makes this ordination a great gift of grace. Nonetheless, Justin has sensed the call, and as such, he cannot abdicate the responsibility. On the one hand, he's superfluous. On the other hand, he's essential. It's a superfluous essential that he is. This amazing tension that we have where Justin has the responsibility now to be a minister of the gospel of grace, but always knowing from beginning to end that this is in fact a gift of ministry given to him. And this is not just for ministers, in fact. You all are superfluous. God does not need us to be his co-workers, but nonetheless, he gives us this gift of grace by which he summons us, whether it be to the ministry or to medicine or to parenthood or to whatever place he has called you. He doesn't need you to do it. And yet he has called you to do it and he has gifted you to do it. And it is our responsibility to hear the call of the Lord as by God's grace, Justin has, which has been confirmed by our presbytery and then to act on it and to give the rest of his life to it. Indeed, this is a gift of grace because of the nature of the giver. But secondly, it's a gift of grace because of the nature of the one receiving it. Not only is Justin a superfluous uh, 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 essentiality, but he's also an unqualified one. Then so am I. And so are you in all the tasks God has called us to do. We are all unqualified for the amazing weight of the gift that God has given us to do. And this is the pattern of the way God works. In fact, it is that very nature of being unqualified that in his marvelous and mysterious wisdom actually qualifies him to do it. And were he to come before the presbytery talking about all of his qualifications, that would be the sure sign that he's not qualified. It's our lack of qualifications, in fact, that qualify us to be used by God. And when you look at the pattern of God's working throughout history, do we not see it? Hence the title of the, of the homily today, The Glorious Insufficiency. Justin is gloriously insufficient. 
for the calling that is being given to him and placed on him today. But God has been doing this all through the ages. He chooses a man to begin a new creation in Noah, and the man can't stay sober for a couple days, and he's cursing his own family members, and everything spirals out again. He chooses a man to be the father of many nations, and he chooses a man married to a barren woman who himself is well past the age of having children. And this is going to be the father of a great nation, in fact, of many nations. He chooses a spokesman for his people to make the case before the greatest power in the world at that time, the great and mighty Pharaoh. He chooses Moses, a man who says right there in the text Mark read for us today, I can't speak well, and I'm going to be the voice. And when he chooses one of his disciples to be the rock upon which this new church will be built, he chooses the one who will three times deny him at that most crucial moment. And when he chooses his apostle to the Gentiles, he chooses this one who has been known best as a persecutor of the church. And Paul knows it. Paul knows it in our text. In verse 7, he says, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. And then he says, to me. It's almost, I, this is just the way my imagination hears this being said by Paul. It's almost as if Paul is describing the gift of this ministry, which, by the way, has landed him in prison. And as he's reflecting on the marvelous depth of the gift that is given to him, it hits him, it's been given to me. In verse 8, that's what he to me. Though I am the very least of all the saints. In the Greek, he makes up a word there. It's actually, I am the leasterest. There's the least, and then there's the leaster, and then there's the leasterest, I guess. And how can we say it? How can we pile on how least I am? But I love that because Paul contemplates his own leastness. And he says, to me, this gift was given. He says as much to the Corinthians as well. He says, God has chosen. Not God takes what he can. You know, he, he puts out an ad. I'm looking for a father of many nations. And the only guy to sign up for the job is a guy who can't have children. He's going, oh, boy. <laughs> it's not that. No, it says, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, God has chosen the foolish thing. To shame the wise. He has chosen the weak things to put to shame the strong. And then he brings it all the way down. If, if, if those three things, the, the foolish, the weak, and the base are not enough, he then says, he has chosen the things that are not. Like, you can't get lower than that. He has chosen the things that are not to put to shame the things that are. Justin, you'll need to be satisfied and content with being a thing that is not. You all will need to be satisfied to be a foolish thing, a base thing, a weak thing, a thing that is not. For in that condition, you are qualified to serve the king of kings. And as such, he chooses to work in and through you. It's a gift of grace because the nature of the one giving it. It's a gift of grace because the nature of the one receiving it. And then finally, it's a gift of grace just because of the nature of the call. 
Justin may be unqualified, as all of us are. He may be an unadorned jar of clay, as we all are. But the good news, Paul says, is that to this simple, unadorned, unqualified, superfluous jar of clay is given a treasure of inestimable worth. Justin is, giving, is being given a gift, a calling to bear the good news of the gospel, as Paul says, the mystery of the gospel, to bring Christ to bear upon the nations, to minister to sinners and to bring to broken sinners the balm of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's what we all do as the light of the world, and Justin has it in a particular and in a formal way as a minister of the gospel. That's a gift, a gift way too heavy for him to bear. And Justin's pretty strong, but way too heavy to bear upon those little shoulders. And so brothers and sisters, friends of Westminster and of Christ Church, those who know Justin well, it will be upon us to lift our brother up and his wife. I remember when the first Sunday at Christ Church, I remember all hell broke loose and everything went wrong. And Justin said, oh boy, this, <laughs> this ministering the gospel seems like I've ended up right in the crosshairs of the evil one. Indeed, indeed. And so it will be upon us as brothers and sisters, co-laborers with Justin, yea, co-laborers with the Lord Jesus Christ to lift our brother and his family up in prayer as he serves. Justin, may the Lord bless you and, and bless your ministry in the years to come. Amen. Amen. Let us stand together as we confess our faith using the Nicene Creed which is in your hymnals, toward the back, page 846. Let us confess our faith together. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And we believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Bill.
as we come to the ordination proper, per our Book of Church order, I will briefly recite the proceedings of the Presbytery, especially the Leadership Committee, which have prepared us for this day. Justin received his degree from RTS in 2019. He was received under care of the Presbytery, which included a reference from the session of Westminster in 2020. He was later examined successfully for his license to preach in 2021, including passing written and oral exams in church government, theology, and Bible knowledge. He became an intern here at Westminster for about 15 months or so, from early 2021 into 2022 in the springtime. Having concluded and passed his internship, he was subsequently called as an assistant pastor here. He was examined successfully for ordination this past September, including written and oral exams in church history and in sacraments. He submitted a theology paper, an exegesis paper, and was examined regarding his character, his call to ministry, and his Christian experience on several different occasions. These are the trials of ordination. And we do not desire to admit unqualified or unlearned men to the ministry, for it's a holy and a demanding calling. And if I could have a point of personal privilege, none of this would be possible uh, without the love and support of Justin's wonderful wife, Julia. And I want to publicly acknowledge her as an indispensable partner in this labor and in this ministry. And we thank God for her and for Justin's family as well. In ordination, we follow the apostolic pattern. For example, we have the Apostle Paul's admonition to Timothy where he says this. Do not neglect the gift that you have. Bill was just preaching about this gift. Do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders or the presbytery laid their hands on you. The laying on of hands with prayer is an act of public consecration by which we ordain and install Justin into this sacred office, calling upon God through his spirit to guard him, to equip him, to empower him, and to keep him in the discharge of all his duties, that he might receive the unfading crown of glory when the chief shepherd appears. When we proceed to the laying out of hands in just a minute here, all of you who are PCA teaching elders or ruling elders, or teaching elders and ruling elders in one of our sister churches, one of the Napark churches, one of the North American Presbyterian Reformed churches, are welcome to join us. In this way, we further enact our unity as reformed bodies, which recognize one another's ordinations. Let us proceed then to the questions. Justin, if you can come stand here, please. Justin. Do you, do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments as originally given to be the inerrant word of God and the only infallible rule of faith and practice? I do. Do you sincerely receive and adopt the confession of faith and the catechisms of this church as containing the system of doctrine taught in the Holy Scriptures? And do you further promise that if at any time you find yourself out of accord with any of the fundamentals of this system of doctrine... You will, on your own initiative, make known to your presbytery the change that has taken place in your views since the assumption of this ordination vow. Well. 
Do you approve of the form of government and discipline of the Presbyterian Church in America in conformity with the general principles of biblical polity? Do you promise subjection to your brethren in the Lord? Have you been induced, as far as you know your own heart, to seek the office of the holy ministry from love to God and a sincere desire to promote his glory in the gospel of his Son? Do you promise to be zealous and faithful in maintaining the truths of the gospel and the purity and peace and unity of the church, whatever persecution or opposition may arise unto you on that account? Do you engage to be faithful and diligent in the exercise of all your duties as a Christian and as a minister of the gospel, whether personal or relational, private or public, and to endeavor by the grace of God to adorn the profession of the gospel in your manner of life and to walk with exemplary piety before the flock of God of which he shall make you an overseer? Please stand there. I'd like to ask the session to please rise now. The session is asked these questions because Justin was called as an assistant pastor and thus called by the session. So, brothers, do you, the members of this session, continue to profess your readiness to receive Justin Sharrett, whom you have called as an assistant pastor? Do you promise to receive the word of truth from his mouth with meekness and love? Do you promise to encourage him in his labors and to assist his endeavors for your instruction and spiritual edification? And do you engage to continue to him, while he is your assistant pastor, that competent worldly maintenance which you have promised, and to furnish him with whatever you may see needful for the honor of religion and for his comfort among you? We'll now proceed to the ordination proper. Any of the brothers that I've invited are welcome to come now. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we call upon your spirit now to descend and to impart to Justin that gift, that grace, that strength and enablement that he needs, O Lord, in his own insufficiency. Pour out your spirit, consecrate him. Anoint and gift him, O Lord, for this holy office. Be for him, O Lord, comfort and light and guidance. Keep him before your holy face, O Lord, and be his power in weakness. Be his strength, O Lord. We pray, O Lord, that your grace would abound to him, that you would keep his heart pure and single and focused on the glory of the triune God in the face of Jesus Christ that you would give him the patience, the endurance, and the wisdom that he needs, O Lord, to conduct himself in a manner that reflects well on the one who has called him into service. O Lord, we thank you that the ascended Christ, the great head and king of the church, gives gifts to men. And among those gifts are the gifts of pastor and teacher. We thank you for the gifts you've given Justin May he keep them undefiled, O Lord, into the great and glorious day, and may his service redound to the good of your sheep, which you have purchased with your blood. 
the blood of your son. Oh Lord, keep his family, defend and deliver them from evil, strengthen them with power in the inner man, that with all steadfastness and with all the saints they would know your love, O oh God. They would know the hope of your calling and the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints. Bless him, bless the holy church that he serves, O oh Lord, and gather all your sheep to everlasting glory through his mouth. Through the, and let this, O oh Lord, be a cause of great joy in the earth of great glory to your name. O Lord, come now and descend and impart your blessing. For Christ's sake, amen. 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 We give you the right hand of ministry and welcome you to the I now pronounce and declare that Justin Sherritt has been regularly ordained and installed as an assistant pastor of this congregation, agreeable to the word of God and according to the constitution of the Presbyterian Church in America, and that as such, he's entitled to all support, encouragement, honor, and obedience in the Lord, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We'll now proceed to the charge to the minister. For this, Justin, I'm going to ask you to come stand here again, right here. Right here. <laughs> so, Justin, I want to charge you from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. Hear God's word. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For, Paul says here, I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Four quick things here. First, you are charged in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. Preaching is first and foremost given to a divine audience. It is done quorum Deo, as they say at Chapel Field. It is done before the face of God. Recognize, cultivate, embrace, 
and rejoice with trembling in that presence. Second, preaching is a thoroughly eschatological action. You are charged in the presence of the one who is to judge the living and the dead, Paul says. It is that feature of the presence of God which is singled out here. Preaching is a word from the future. You are charged, the text continues, by his appearing and his coming kingdom. That's three references to the end in the preface of the charge. You are charged to have the coming glory, the coming appearance of Christ, charge and pervade and animate your preaching. Preaching that fails to do this is beneath the dignity of the office. Third, the charge proper. Preach the word. The substance of your ministry, your very life, is to be Holy Scripture. Preaching is preaching that text before and above all other concerns. Only that text, always that text, in season and out, Paul says. Fourth, patient endurance. The apostle says reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience. For Paul says there will be those who don't endure sound teaching, who will follow their own passions, who will turn away from the truth you proclaim and wander away and accumulate teachers for themselves. Thus you need to be sober-minded, to know what to expect, to endure suffering, as the apostle says here, to fulfill your ministry even in the teeth of opposition. Finally then, to summarize, fight the good fight of faith. Finish the race. Keep the faith. Looking to the Lord, the righteous judge, the chief shepherd, who will award you with a crown of righteousness, Paul says here, on the day of his glorious appearing. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, Justin. At this point, Cody Gibson, Reverend Cody Gibson, will charge the session as well as the congregation. So, the office of elder, teaching elder, ruling elder, is an old office. It's not something new. And there's wisdom that we can learn from uh, 3,000 years ago when Moses was leading the people out of Egypt and his father-in-law comes and sees the work and the weight of ministry and says to him, you're going to kill yourself if you don't stop this. One of the major roles that you as members of the session have is to be co-laborers, shepherds alongside of Justin, especially those of you who are a part of this, this church that's meeting in Modena, that you are laborers with Justin, you are shepherds of that, of that congregation to take the pressure off of Justin. It is your role to take the pressure off, not to put the pressure on. Now, of course, there is the role that you have to make sure that all things are done decently and in order, that we are keeping our ordination vows, that the, the, the ministry of word is being done in accordance with the truth. But all of this should be out of a relationship that is warm, a relationship that seeks Justin and his needs 
to care for him as he is seeking the needs of the congregation. You need to step up at times and tell him, no, you need to think more of your family. You need to do less for the church at times. It is your role to take, take things onto yourself to help him. Help him lead the flock that God has entrusted into his care and into your care. I'd like to say to the, the members of the congregation as well that uh, we can see in Hebrews chapter 13 these words that the, the writer of Hebrews says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So I think that there are a number of things here that are important, but I think some of the background is exactly the story of Moses and the people. That when Moses was speaking to God very often of the weight of doing ministry for a difficult people, he would say things like, God, the people that you let out of Egypt, the ministers that have been appointed to serve are one day going to have to give an account to God for you. Don't make it be like when Moses was saying these people. Don't make his job harder. The hard job of a pastor is a difficult and taxing job. Don't make it harder. It's not going to be to your advantage if you make his job harder. Is not going to be your, to your benefit if you push him to do more and more. It is not going to be an advantage to you if he is pushed to put, sacrifice his family on the altar of ministry. So I want to say these things. There are times where there will be difficulties. There are times where there will be hurt feelings. Give Justin the benefit of the doubt. And most importantly, talk to him in these difficult times more than you talk about him to one another. Amen. Amen. Before our closing hymn, let us pray. Father, we're so thankful for this Polity, this form of government that you've given to us with its checks and balances, with its order, O Lord, with its dignity. You are the God of peace in all the churches. You are not the God of chaos or confusion, but you are the God who orders all things for your glory. We're so thankful for these vows. Help us, help Justin to remember them. Hear our supplications, O Lord, and help us to be responsive to the charges from your holy words, from the mouths of your ministers. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Please rise for our closing hymn number 347.
Justin Sherritt to give us the benediction. And when Justin is finished with the benediction, he will pray briefly for the food and the reception, which is downstairs, to which, again, you are all cordially invited. Justin. People of God, as we go, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his everlasting peace. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you now a grateful people. Grateful that although we are superfluous, unnecessary, you choose to create and to create in abundance, to create in love, to create in multiplicity, to create in colors and taste. And we thank you for this world that you have given us. We thank you for the food that we are now about to partake of. Help it to be a sacramental reminder, Father God, of the meal that we once will enjoy in the future kingdom of Jesus Christ, surrounded together with the saints of old and the saints to come, the future eschatological meal of Jesus Christ for all eternity. Help this meal to be in a great anticipation of that meal. We thank you for all of those who have prepared it. Bless it now to our bodies. For Christ's sake, we pray these things. Amen.